Hey everyone, my name is Jason Parker, and I want to welcome you to the Coastal Church Podcast. I'm super excited for you to hear this message. We believe that God wants to speak to us, and we hope that you're open to hear what he has to say to you today. Enjoy. So, have you all got your Christmas shopping done yet? We have like four yeses and a whole bunch of nopes on that one. Man, um, I'm thankful. Uh, my wife did some of it this weekend. I did it some of it from the, co- from the comforts of my home on good old-fashioned Amazon. But it is officially in that season. Um, I was thankful this morning. I had a chance to go down to Yarmouth Wesleyan this morning and speak there. Um, I had a great time with the folks down there and uh, here tonight. Um, AJ, uh, AJ kind of uh, was away last week um, and kind of messaged me on Friday and asked me to come down and cover. And so I was super happy to go down there and have some fun with the folks down there. The guys, the folks like in our network, like the folks at Yarmouth Wesleyan, man, they love Coastal. They love the Coastal story. I mean, they love what God has done here. And they're just... They just really love what God's up to here, and then we get to do this all together. And I'm thankful that there's times when bozos like me break legs, and AJ can come up here and preach and cover for us at different times, and that's the beauty of being part of the body, right? And so thankful for the chance to do that this morning. But we are officially into a Christmas season. Um, We're we're done our money series, and everyone said praise God for that one, right? But we're officially in the series called With Us. And um, I'm a little excited to jump into this uh, today. Um, one of the things that blows my mind about, as we talk about, you know, the coming of Jesus and Jesus born in a manger, I don't know about you, but like, how many people in this room, like, does it absolutely blow your mind that hundreds of years before Christ came, these prophets inspired by the Holy Spirit predicted and prophesied the coming of Jesus? I don't know about anyone else. But that blows my mind that there are hundreds of what we call prophecies, predictions, describing the coming of Jesus in some ways in very, very vivid detail. And so when I read Isaiah, and you have to understand, like, Isaiah, who's one of these prophets that wrote a lot about the coming of Jesus, do you know how many years before the coming of Christ, Isaiah prophesied about the coming of Christ? 700 years. 700 years before the coming of Jesus, this prophet inspired by the Holy Spirit predicted that this baby was going to be born to a virgin, and they would call him Emmanuel. That's what the scripture says. Check it out. It says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. 700 years before the time of Christ. Anyone else, does that like blow your mind? Yeah. And then Matthew, in Matthew's gospel, he actually quotes Isaiah, and he says the very same words. And Matthew kind of steps onto the scene here, and is like, yeah, that thing that the prophet Isaiah prophesied 700 years ago, it actually is happening right now in this moment. It's here. And Matthew actually quotes Isaiah here in Matthew chapter 1, verse 22, and says this, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. And Matthew actually explains what this word actually means. God with us. The good news for all mankind that Matthew celebrates is that this God is now with us. You know, interesting about the, the word Emmanuel, like, there's no record in the New Testament scriptures 
of his followers or his family members calling him Emmanuel. You know what they called Emmanuel? They called him by his given name, Jesus. And it's interesting because it happens in this very same passage of Scripture here in Matthew chapter 1. Jesus is given his name, Jesus. And the name Jesus specifies what he does. Does anyone know what the word, the name Jesus actually means? It means he saves us. He's the God who saves. But Emmanuel, Emmanuel specifies who he is. He's God with us. And so in the Christian faith, we call this the incarnation, where the word of God has become flesh and has dwelt among us. He, the word God has actually made his home with us. He's tabernacled with us. He's come close. The God who is speaking is now actually visiting with us. I love this picture. God himself, the creator of the universe, has now come close. Oh, that's awesome. He's not a God far off and distant and way up there in the sky somewhere. No. He's a God that is present, and he's actually in this room right now. He's God with us. And that's kind of the whole idea with why, one of the reasons why we celebrate the Christmas story and the whole word becoming flesh, it was God's initiative and God's idea. Why? Why did Jesus put on flesh, leave his heavenly throne and come to be with us? He came because he wanted to have a relationship with you and me. He wanted you. It was his idea, his initiative, and he wanted to come close to you. And so he did. He took on flesh and came to be with us. And so as we talk about this idea of God with us, there might be some of you in the room that really wrestle with that idea. And some of you might wrestle with the idea because you're not sure there's a God to actually be with us. The whole God idea is maybe something you wrestle with. Maybe you wrestle logically with this idea of, can a God even exist? And I'm not going to get up here and give you all the reasons why I believe God exists. Because I think there's actually a better way to answer maybe some of the questions you have in your head and your heart. What if, what if as you wrestle with that question of God's existence, what if you actually stop wrestling with the questions and actually experience the very presence of God? What if, what if God, this God you're wrestling with, actually just showed up? What if this God actually showed up and you experienced him for the very first time? What if he started speaking to you in a way that was undeniably true? I think it would put some of these arguments maybe you're wrestling with, it would actually put them to bed. Because you can't deny when you experience the very presence of God. If you look all through the scriptures, when people experience the presence of God, they were changed people. And so maybe here tonight, you need to say, God, I'm just open. If you're real, if you're up there like these people say you're up there, or in here, as people say you're in here, help me to experience your presence. And so maybe that's you here tonight. Or maybe you're a follower of Jesus in this room here this evening, and you believe in Christmas. Like, you put up the manger scene. How many of y'all put up manger scenes? My fish got moved to the top of the piano, and there sits my manger scene beside my table. Yes, and why do we put up manger scenes, or why do we put those manger scenes on, uh, on the front of our yard? Because we believe the story, right? How many believe that God is with us? How many believe that we believe the Christmas story? How many believe that Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem? Yes. 
A lot of us believe that story, and so we don't struggle with what the scripture says about God being with us. What we struggle with is sensing in 2023, on December the 3rd, we sense, is God really with me right now in this moment? Like, do I actually sense the very presence of God with me right now? And here's what I believe. I believe we often struggle in our Christian walk if, is God really, truly there? God, have you, have you ever prayed the prayer? And maybe it's just an emotional prayer, but it feels often real. God, where are you? Like, why aren't you showing up in this situation? God, like, I don't, how many of you have ever felt this feeling of like, God, I don't sense your presence in my life? If God is truly God with us, then why does God often seem cold and far off and distant? Or like, maybe you like have prayed these prayers. God, like, if you're really real, can you help me or speak to me right now? Or maybe for some of you, like, you sat in this church service like this here tonight, and you're watching other people worship, and you're like, man, they're clearly experiencing the presence of God why don't I feel the presence of God like they do? Have you ever felt that way before? Or maybe you're someone here tonight and you wrestle with reading the Bible and you're kind of ashamed to admit it, but you do it out of habit, but it seems like every time you read the Bible after you're done, you're like, I don't feel like I got anything out of that. And you kind of feel ashamed, half ashamed to admit it. Maybe it's not like, maybe it's not your uh, kind of um, God's inability to show up, but maybe it's your inability to recognize God with us. Here's what I've discovered as a pastor. I had come to abrupt learning experience as I was pastoring people. I am a person who primarily connects with God through the reading of scripture and through connecting with other believers. That is, I've discovered, is the primary way I connect with Christ. It's the way God speaks to me. It's the way God works in my life. But as I've grown and as a pastor, I've learned something. That other people's primary way of connecting with Jesus might not be in the same way as me. And that totally changed the way I approach ministry. Some of you here tonight, you connect with God primarily through the time of worship. Some of you in this room, you primarily connect with God through being out in nature and trees, and I don't get it, but that's your thing. Like, some of you all connect with God differently. Now, it's not to say that we don't need the scripture and we don't need the body. You're hearing me out right, right? Don't hear what I'm not saying. We all need all those things to help us to grow, but what I'm talking about here tonight is I believe there's a primary way that you connect with God. And more importantly, maybe, God connects with you. There's a way primarily that God speaks to you. And so during this sermon series, you're going to hear from different voices. You're going to hear from different people that talk about the primary way they connect with God. And why on earth will we be doing that? Well, I believe that God wants to help you discover the primary way he speaks to you. Because here's what else I believe. I believe there's many people in this room that you have yet to discover the primary way you connect with God. And so God seems often far off, distant, and cold. And part of the reason he seems far off, distant, and cold is because you've yet to discover the primary way you connect with Jesus. 
And what my discovery has been is often God will connect with us based on our wiring. And so we'll talk a little bit about that here in a few moments. But we're going to look at one of the primary ways I connect with Jesus, and it's through the body of Christ. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4, your smartphones, or it's going to be up on the screen. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 to 16. Before we jump into the passage of Scripture, let me kind of set the stage a little bit for you. So in the book of Ephesians, Paul spends the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians unpacking for us the unsearchable riches that are found in Jesus. It is just loaded, jam-packed full, unpacking for us all that Christ has accomplished for us. So we've been adopted. We've been made holy and blameless. We've been justified by God. We have the resurrection power of Jesus living inside of us. God has brought us from death to life. He's done a work of grace in our lives, and we have this ability to experience the love of God that fills us with God's power. And it's like, it's an amazing three chapters of Scripture. And basically, after you read these three chapters, we're supposed to go, man, God, you have done so much for me in Jesus. Now, in light of all that you've done through Jesus, Paul then gives some instructions. In light of all that, this is now how you ought to live in response to that. Does that make sense? And so Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 is actually explaining to the church in Ephesus how they ought to operate as the body of Christ. How they're actually supposed to work together to cause each other to kind of grow up, um, grow and mature together. And so this is what Ephesians chapter 4 says. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So there's three things that I want to say about the body of Christ, in particular, how the body is actually proves that God is with us, how God shows up in and through the body. There's three things I want to say about it. The first thing is this, that he's with us through the whole body. As I mentioned, one of the primary ways God speaks to me is through the body. And it makes sense because I love people. I enjoy being around people most of the time. I, uh, I was joking earlier. Um, I said this this morning, but um, I had the three kiddos by myself this weekend. My wife was away on a conference on Friday and Saturday. And I want to tell you something. I was glad to be here tonight. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. But... All jokes aside, I actually find people really life-giving. And it's, it, and it's no wonder because, like, God actually speaks to us how we're wired. He wired us on purpose. He knows how to connect with us. And so it makes sense to me why God uses people primarily as the vessel to interact with me. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, I'm an introvert. Well, hold it there for a second. Like, I know lots of introverts that don't like crowds, but man, oh man, get them one-on-one, -on -one, and they love having conversation. And I'm not going to ask introverts to say an amen right now. <laughs> but through talking with some of them and being close to some of them, the answer is yes. They might not love crowds, but they love connecting one-on-one -on -one with people. And so we experience the presence of God through people. The Bible says that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, in jars of clay, that they're broken and cracked, but we actually carry the very presence of God wherever we go. The Bible actually talks about in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 how we go around carrying the aroma of Christ wherever we go. I want you to think back for a moment. If, you, if you're here tonight and you're a Christian, 
I want you to think back for a moment to before you accepted Jesus. Okay, you getting there? I want you to think specifically about Christians that came across your path before you were a Christian. And I want you to think about for a second, how did it make you feel? I'm talking about the ones that you know now love Jesus, we're praying kind of people, and you got around them and you just felt this sense of something that at the time you couldn't quantify or qualify, but now that you follow Jesus, you look back and you're like, that was God. <laughs> like for me personally, I remember there was this church in the town I grew up in, and they were a praying church. They'd pray every single night um, at 6 o'clock at, at, at this small little church, and they were praying for me. I knew it. They were praying for me. And you know what's so funny? Is I would go out in the community, and I'd always bump into them at the most inconvenient times. Most of you know that I wasn't following Jesus in my teenage years. I was up to no good oftentimes. And even in the process, I remember being up to no good, and I like, all of a sudden, I'm about to be up to no good, and all of a sudden, boom, this Christian shows up, right? And then I sense this feeling from the Holy Spirit. I know now, you see, because it wasn't just a Christian showing up. It was a person carrying the very presence of God. And God used that in my life to speak to me. And then after I became a Christian, God used people in my life and used people in your life to carry the very presence of God to encourage you. God uses the whole body. And I love about, as you look at the story of Jesus, you know, Jesus became flesh, physical, for a purpose and a reason. Like, part of the reason Jesus became flesh was so that he could touch people. How many know the story of the leper? I love this story. It's just an incredible story in the Gospels, but Jesus didn't have to touch the leper. Did you know that? He didn't. Like, there was lots of times in the Gospels where Jesus actually just said the words and they were healed. He didn't have to reach out and touch them. But what I love about Jesus is he actually took the time to reach out and touch the leper let me ask you a question. What do you think it meant to this person who hadn't been touched in years for the first time and how long to receive physical touch from someone else? What do you think that did to that person? How do you think that made them feel? And I think it's just absolutely rocked them and they felt loved and cared for and seen. Jesus became flesh for a reason. You know, another story of the gospel is Jesus actually took mud, which is kind of weird, but physical mud and put it on a blind man's eyes and he was able to see. You know, another story is countless stories in the New Testament of Jesus actually physically laying on hands, physically on people, and casting out sicknesses and diseases and evil spirits from people. He laid hands physically. You know, some of my most profound experiences with the presence of God, you know what it was? It's when actually people took time to stop and they laid hands on me and prayed for me. And it's in those moments that I felt God speaking to me. It's those moments I felt the touch of heaven that we sang about tonight, where I literally felt supernatural presence of God in my life. And here's what I've discovered. We all actually have physical needs, and God knew it which is why he put skin on. He put flesh on. 
Because you need flesh to give someone a hug. You need flesh to give someone a handshake and pat someone on the back. And every single one of you in this room, you need physical caring touch, even for those of you in this room that are not huggers, okay? Some of y'all, every once in a while, need a boss old hug. Because God made us that way. He made us to actually experience blessing that kind of way. And so the whole body wants to give that. And Jesus actually did that. He touched the leper. He laid hands on people. You know, early in this passage of Scripture, Paul was talking about gifts. And I love, I love when the Scripture talks about gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's not only with us through the whole body, but the Bible teaches us that he's actually with us through the gifts. This is what the Scripture says. It says, We're joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly. I love the way the body of Christ has been designed to work and operate. It is incredible to me. I love being able to get up in front of a room like this, and I love to start thinking about, like, all the gifts that God has put into this room right now. Just stop and think about that for a second. Think about all the gifts that God has given to this very room. And I get really excited thinking about that because I'm like, man, there is so much kingdom potential sitting in this room right now. It's awesome. Like, there are so many ways that God wants to use us in profound ways. He wants to use your gifts. He wants to use your personality that he knit together in your mother's womb. Like, God wants to use every part of you, who you are. And why? Because he wants other people that you rub shoulders with and you come in contact with every single day, he wants other people to experience the very presence of God through your life. What do you think of that? It's pretty wild to think about. And I think some of y'all are wrestling with that truth. You're like, really? Me? Who, me? Like, are you talking to me? It's like, it's like Gideon. It's like, really? Yeah, really. You might feel like that broken jar of clay with cracks in it, but you are that jar of clay. And the scripture actually teaches us that God himself through the person of Jesus. You see, Jesus came from heaven to earth to suffer on a cross, to die on the cross, to rise again from the dead, to go to the right hand of God, to send the Holy Spirit, to fill each and every one of these broken jars of clay in this room. Why? So other people could experience the very living presence of God in and through our lives. And so you might be self-disqualifying yourself. It's not based on you. It's based on Jesus and what he has done for us. And the Bible teaches us, you've been made right with God. It's not dependent on your performance or your ability to be good enough. Jesus was good enough, amen? And so because of all that, you have become a carrier, a catalyst the presence of the living God lives inside of you. And that's the mystery of faith that Paul talks about. Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's through that Holy Spirit that God puts his gifts inside of you. It's through the Holy Spirit that God fills you to the uttermost. Why does he fill you with the Holy Spirit? So others can experience the very presence of God in and through your life. You know what? 
That's not something that humans manufacture. This isn't, look at us humans, we're so good. That's not that it at all. It's, look at how good God is. When God touches someone in and through our lives by the Holy Spirit, that's not about how good we are. It's how good our God is. And you know, I love to watch people using their gifts for God. And not just like when I get blessed. I like, I like, I actually probably like it more when I see someone else and I just get to sit back and watch someone else be a blessing. Like for instance, like I don't have the gift of serving. Not one of my gifts, guys. Okay? I do it because the Lord leads me to do it from time to time, and it's good to serve. We're called to serve one another in love, the scripture says. But the spiritual gift of serving, guys, I can just say, not my gift, okay? So I deeply appreciate it when I see people in our church, and I could say them by name, but I won't right now, that have the gift of serving, and they go and you ask them to do something to serve the church, and it's without hesitation. Yep, I'll do it. And I love just... And even when I don't ask them, and they just, they're doing their thing, they're doing their servant thing, I just sit back and watch, and I see the joy on their countenance as they're stacking chairs or moving tables or, I don't know, making popcorn, whatever they're doing, I love just watching them. And there's such a joy and such a presence of God in them. And when I sit back and look at someone with that gift, I'm like, yep, that's God. Or someone that has like the gift of generosity and giving. They just love to be a blessing that way, and they have such a joy in giving and blessing other people. And I see the joy as they do it, and I'm like, yep, that's God. Or someone that has, like, the gift of hospitality that Scripture talks about, and they kind of, like, invite someone over for a meal, or they're here working at the church, and they're serving coffee and putting out snacks and baking all kinds of really good stuff that I really, really like. And, and they're just, like, have such a joy about them as they do that. And you can just see it on them. They're just emanating from their spirit. You can see the presence of joy, the presence of God on their lives as they serve and bless that other person. And I stand back, and I'm like, yep, that's God. Can I have another cinnamon roll? <laughs> like, I love watching the gifts of God on display and at work because other people get to experience this present God that loves them. I love it. I love how God has caused the body to work. And as each part is working properly, and makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And I'm thankful that God is with us as we grow. This passage of scripture is loaded with references about growth. How many of y'all know that God wants us to grow? That he loves us just the way we are, but too much to keep us there, right? And so we're all on this journey of growing more and more in the likeness of Jesus. But what I'm thankful for is that God's with me as I go through my growth. How many realize that at times in our journey, there's what we call growing pains, okay? In my Christian walk of almost 20 years, I've had seasons where I've gone through growing pains. I've gone through seasons when life has been really, really difficult. I've gone through challenges and things that were hard to face, but I'm thankful that God was with me as I grow. And one of the ways that God was most present in my life especially in the hard seasons, was through the body. You know, after almost 20 years of following Jesus, I rarely, rarely have felt alone 
and I've rarely felt alone because I've had these beautiful, loving, caring, compassionate people in my life physically that were Jesus to me, that were Christ in us, and they allow God to use their gifts to be God's presence in my life. And that's the primary way I connect with Jesus, and God's been faithful. But maybe you're here tonight, and you've discovered one way or the other, maybe through this message or through your own journey, maybe interactions with the body of Christ are not the primary way you connect with God. And I just want to say that if that's you, that's okay. But I would say this. God still wants to use the body of Christ to help you to grow. Because the Bible says in this passage of Scripture to grow in every way. And one of those ways is through interactions with the body. So for you, interacting with the body of Christ, the church, it might be a spiritual discipline. It might be something you have to consciously choose to do because you know What's good for you? It's like taking the medicine. You know it's good for you, even though you don't want to take that banana-tasting medicine. (laughs) I say banana-tasting because my daughter had to take some recently, and she did not want to have it. But she took it because she knew it was good for her. Sometimes we need to take the medicine, the discipline of leaning into the body, even though we might not want to, but because we know we need it. Just, what's the consequence, though, if we don't? What if you don't lean into the body of Christ? What if you just, like, Maybe you come to church, you kind of get in here, but you don't like interact. Or maybe perhaps you isolate yourself. What are the consequences if we isolate ourselves or remove ourselves from the body of Christ? I want you to think about this for a second. What would happen if you isolated yourself from the body of Christ for one year? What would it do to your emotional and spiritual life if you were not connected to the body? What happens when you live in isolation like that? Or maybe another question to think about. Can you be a healthy, mature, thriving believer living in isolation? Because I don't think you can. Especially as this passage talks about leaning in and joint and every part working properly. And this idea of growing up together. Our call is to lean in. It might not be the primary way you connect with God, but you want to make the conscious choice. No, Lord, I know that I need it. The Bible says, speaking the truth in love, we had to grow up in every way. You know what's something you can't do living in isolation? You can't speak the truth in love. Because in order for you to speak the truth in love, someone else has to be able to hear it. And so there's some of you in this room, God wants to speak the truth in love in and through your life, He wants to use you to speak the truth in love to someone else to help them on their journey to experience the very presence of God. There's some of you in this room that need to hear the truth in love in order to help you break through through from a habit, a hang-up, something you're wrestling with. You need the truth in love. You can't get it in isolation. You can't get it if you're locked up tighter than Fort Knox here and you're not letting people in. This is a permission to put the walls down some and begin to open up and begin to trust that as God leads you. This is as I was praying this morning for both services. I felt like the Lord told me that there's people in our room here today, you're feeling lonely. Some of the deepest needs of your heart, for whatever reason, are not being met. 
And I think I know why. I think some of the reason why your needs of loneliness aren't being met is because you're actually not having those deep, meaningful, caring, compassionate connections with people that are even sitting right beside you or in this room that have the very presence of God. There's certain mental, emotional, and spiritual needs that we have that can only be met by the presence of God. And some of them, they can only be met by the presence of God working through someone, a person. And so for some of you, it might mean you need to walk across the room. For some of you, it might mean the Holy Spirit's leading you to have a specific conversation. For some of you, it might mean you reach out to someone saying, I am struggling. Would you pray for me? I invite the worship team and prayer team to come up. As I look back on my own life, man, I'm so thankful today for just all the way that God has used people in my life. I love people. And I'm so appreciative today of all the people over the last 20 years of my life that God has used, and even beyond that, to help me experience the presence of God. I'm thankful for the people that showed up before I was a Christian, that believed and prayed and contended with God and sowed the word of God in my life. I'm so thankful for that. I'm thankful for mentors who loved me and gave me hugs, even though I wasn't a hugger before, believe it or not, because they knew I needed it. And they affirmed my call and, and spoke into my life and, and, and were, you know, spoke the words of God and taught me to read scripture and taught me to pray and all those kinds of things. I'm thankful for those people in my life. I'm thankful for two of my brothers in Christ that I meet with you know, every week, and, and, and they ask me the hard questions. They speak the truth and love to me, but also help me and pray for me and encourage me on my journey. I need that. That's God's presence in my life, and I'm even thankful for how God has used people that I don't necessarily click with, but has helped round out my edges and made me a better person because of it. I'm thankful today for all the people that God has used in my life, because through it all, the last 20 years, I've not been alone. God over and over and over again has shown me his kindness through the beautiful body of Christ that's not perfect. We all got cracks in us, but I'll take her any day of the week because it has the very presence of God. Now, for some of you in this room, I just want to give you some practical things. Dave Hockley, one of our pastors at the Aramis Church, he actually did something the other day if you go on his Facebook page, you'll see it. But he actually took an hour, and he named out loud all the people in his life that he could remember that God used to bless him. And so maybe for you, an hour is a bit of a stretch. Maybe you just take five minutes, and you just thank God out loud by name for the people that God has used in your life. Maybe it's just time for you just to remember and appreciate or maybe for some of you in this room, you need to actually linger and not just leave out the door after service because either you need to receive something from God, you want to interact with someone else, or God may want to use you to reach out and bless someone else that's in this very room. What if we started coming to church a little bit earlier with the expectancy that God actually wants to use us to have conversations to bless someone else? And what if we actually stayed later after church because we're kind of zeroing in on what the Holy Spirit's trying to say on who he wants us to be a blessing to? What if we came expectant that God wants to use us and do stuff in and through us? And finally, maybe you're here tonight and 
you want someone to pray for you. Maybe you haven't had someone lay hands on you and pray for you. We're going to pray here in a moment. You come up for prayer. My favorite passage of scripture in, in the Bible is Ephesians 3, 19, 20, and 21. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be given glory in the church in Christ Jesus forever. God is able to blow our minds with what he can do in and through the church. And one of the things he wants to show to the world and show to the people in this room, through you, is that God is truly with us. Will you stand? We really hope that this message has motivated you to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus and has inspired you to join us in our mission to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova. If you have any questions about the sermon, if you want to know how you can get involved, send us an email at office at coastalchurchns.com. We'd love to get connected with you. Have a great day.